0: Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about, which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is talk about it most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our youtube page if you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com phenomenology club and in general to learn more about our club what we do and how you can become a member for only one dollar a month please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club thank you for listening STAY TRIPPY You spin me right round Baby right round Like a regger baby I've been listening to that song a lot by Dead or Alive the, the members of Phenomenology Club know this You know, if you slow the song down to about uh, 66% speed It actually becomes incredibly melancholic and sad and i'm always in search of that sad especially the juxtaposition of like sad with like i don't know like a strangely euphoric aesthetic at the same time like that song is clearly not sad but when it's slow it's just something about the melody that's sad you know what i'm saying anyway Welcome back to Talk About It, the official podcast series of Phenomenology Club. I'm feeling restless and tired simultaneously. This is a new feeling. I'm feeling lots of new feelings, as some of you know. These are the chronicles of my, uh, the chronicles of quitting drugs or something. I'm not quitting drugs. Ew, why did I just say that? That's so dumb. Um... I'm never going to quit drugs, but I'm trying to quit certain drugs, not quit certain drugs. Fuck. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to not do certain drugs right now. (laughs) And that's what I've been doing. I'm going about four months now, I think, without uh, stimulants. Good for me. Not all stimulants, but the main ones. Um, Somebody just said one comment in the chat nothing to do with culture but i'm learning to code and it's very slow going if i recall you taught yourself to code your site maybe a future talk about it on learning skills or is that too vague no maxwell that's a great idea and uh perhaps i'll do that i think maybe i will You know i talked about a bit about this in the last upload i did which has like too many views i'm a little suspicious not too many i mean i don't have a very large audience it's only on youtube and spotify uh i get about equal numbers of views i guess on both those platforms maybe and that the last upload had a suspiciously high amount of views compared to my other ones. Like, do, are, are people just dying for depression content? I didn't even upload that one to Spotify, but I'm basically just talking about being sad and shit. <laughs> Still streaming 10th Plague. Oh, great to hear that. I like 10th Plague, I'm proud of 10th Plague. But uh, Maxwell, I, would, I think that that's a good idea. Um, f- at, to be honest with you, I taught myself how to code for web last summer and i had a ton a ton of Adderall and what i would do was take a ton of Adderall and then watch a uh, css coding tutorials but i will tell you this i won't do that i won't get into this right now but just since you asked the question if you need some sort of help when i try to learn literally anything and i think that this would be a good discussion topic because it very much relates to my ideas on philosophy when i try to learn literally anything i go immediately to what appears most fundamental. So to talk about coding for web, for CSS, for example, as soon as I started looking up resources for coding for CSS, uh, everything was like, get Bootstrap, get this builder, get this th- uh, third party thing and this and that. And it was like, no, dude, no, don't do that. What you need to be doing is first looking up, what is CSS? What does CSS stand for? Where does it come from? What is it? And look at, uh, YouTube tutorials for doing things from scratch always learned from scratch because when I first started to learn HTML when I was like in high school and just like fucking around with like my live journal or MySpace page what I would do is copy and paste other people's HTML source code and then customize it and I did learn from doing it that way but um the this is a bad habit I think a lot of people get into. They copy and paste things, and then like learn slowly through customizing things. That is a way to learn, but I don't think it's a good way to learn. The best way to learn is to start from literally zero. Watch videos on what CSS is learning CSS from scratch, how it talks to HTML, learn HTML from scratch, anything you want to learn, JavaScript, CSS, HTML, every tutorial you watch, make sure it's from the beginning, the very fundamentals. And the very fundamentals of all this shit is what is it? That's what you want to look at first. Um, And be patient with yourself. And this is a good way to learn, because even though I think it's slower for more people, uh, it's much, much more rewarding. Now I can sit down and create a website uh, out of memory, knowing what tags work and this and that, and uh, you know, I think that even though this is a way a lot of people don't choose to learn for themselves, it's it's much better. Anyway, let's talk about culture. Um, I was uh, sitting here restless. I was trying to watch the film *The Art of War*, starring Wesley Snipes from the year two thousand, and I lost interest. I've been on like a nineties thriller kick. Um, I watched Air Force One for the first time last night, which I found to be very interesting. I won't talk about it. I enjoyed it. Um, (laughs) uh, The parachuting green screen scenes are so funny. I'll say that. Uh, Watch Air Force One. It's on Netflix. That's why I watched it. I've been watching 90s thrillers. Twister. I watched Twister recently. Art of War now. Well, I didn't finish it. Air Force One. Con Air, I watched on Fourth of July. Something else. I've been watching a lot of stuff. Anyway, feeling restless. Um, want to talk a little bit about a uh, cancel culture because people were t- people have been talking about it a lot, right? And I was talking about it recently in the free speech up- upload thing. And I said this in my depression rant that I uploaded last time. But I, wonder, I have some more ideas because people were actually just talking about this in the public outreach Discord server, our free and public Discord server, not our private one, by the way. So if you signed up on Patreon and find yourself in the public outreach server and there's only one channel, you are not in our official Discord server, just so you know, because I'm starting to feel like certain people think they're in our official Discord server. You're not you're in the public outreach server so go to our private one but people were talking about this in the public outreach server um talking about cancel culture a lot of people are talking about it i was talking about it with random people today multiple people who brought it up i didn't even bring it up i'm not even uh thinking about this elizabeth says thoughts on deplatforming. i'll get there um but you know uh what was i just gonna say Um, I have a lot of thoughts. Speaking of media, I've been consuming. I've been listening to the Red Scare podcast recently, which I think is really interesting and intriguing. And I know that those women have been canceled or called under criticism for many reasons. And I don't agree with a lot of their tastes, but I find their podcasts highly interesting, especially as a female pseudo edge lord myself. You know, they are definitely edge lords. I find a lot of their tastes to be incredibly irreverent uh, and disagreeable, really. But I it, I like to listen to it, you know. And I was thinking about this, like, what? Why do I? In, why do I particularly enjoy female edge lords and find it to be sort of aesthetically refreshing? I think for one, because and I have, like, no interest in, like, the dirtbag left stuff that comes from, like, dudes, like Chapo Trap House or whatever. Trap House. I listened to that show once for, like, five minutes and turned it off because I just found it boring. I'm not really big on, like, edge bro culture, but it's refreshing from women for some reason. And I was thinking, like, isn't it peculiar how when it comes to, like, men versus women, because I am ever the feminist, and this is always on my mind. It's like when a woman does something problematic, we just like throw the whole discography out the fucking window, you know? But with men, it's like we got even the most leftist, quote unquote, progressives. These people like talking about the strength of Roman Polanski films, the strength of Heidegger's uh, philosophy, even though he's a literal Nazi and Roman Polanski raped a 13 year old. There seems to be this attitude, even among the most quote-unquote progressive people that, like, you know, people can be varied and interesting, and even if you're a rapist or a terrible person, maybe you made a good film, something like this. Or maybe you had good points, even if you're a Nazi, you had some interesting things to say about other things, you know? But then I think about, like, women who have been canceled, like the feminist Jermaine Greer, or, like, Camille Paglia or whatever. I've been watching a lot of her videos. I absolutely can't stand her takes. I think they're terrible, but I think she says a lot of incredibly interesting stuff both of them well I don't think both of them are as terrible I'm thinking about Camille I think Camille has a lot of really (laughs) upsetting things to say but I've been watching her videos and feeling refreshed sort of because I'm like it's cool to hear a woman that I so vehemently disagree with and is also saying some kind of deep trippy stuff you know like, I find that to be interesting, and I think it's relevant to what I wanted to say but didn't say when we were talking about the cancel culture upload thing. I mean, when we were talking about ki- the free speech letter. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. Hold on, let me sip my coffee. The free speech letter that Noam Tromsky was a signee of. I didn't say this, and in listening back to the upload, I was like, I should have given some examples because I think that it's Obvious that the people who like rail the hardest against cancel culture and stuff, a lot of them absolutely are like these alt right type or right wing conservative type fucking morons that just like you know they they they're upset because maybe they want to talk about the bell curve and racial IQ stuff and whatever type of social Darwinist bullshit, you know. And even though I think that is their right, like I don't want people to think that I'm aligned with this sort of a viewpoint I think that it's really true because I didn't feel any sort of urgency about this issue at all until I felt like they came for me or not even me specifically though people have come for me specifically but they came for my ideas I didn't feel this way until until I started to really meditate on what has happened to feminist discourse in particular. I'm citing this example because even though I am consciously trying to talk less about feminism on this podcast, (laughs) because it is always on my mind, I have to say, I think one look no further than feminist discourse to see exactly what kinds of problems there are right now. To give a really obvious example, you know, the fact that so many women, and I know this because not only am I a woman, I also speak to them often, so many women feel as if The culture of pornography, this incredible normalization of not only pornography, but some of the most violent pornography that has ever existed, you know, and and the fact that men now... Uh, many of them this has happened to myself and to many other women I've spoken to like will enter into a sexual encounter with a man and and will just start choking her during sex without even asking like hey are you into this it's become assumed it's so normalized and violent pornography is so normalized and so is this cultural embracement of it you know and to speak out against this to say hey as a woman I find this content incredibly dehumanizing Humanizing and degrading and this is not me speaking ill on or against the idea that women have particular agency I mean this this is something I disagree with Camille Paglia about I don't know how to say her last name it might be Paglia I don't know some fucking Italian shit you know she believes that these kinds of takes that I have are sort of infantilizing to women and she's very complex I don't even know exactly what she would think on this issue specifically because I haven't heard her talk about it but like the fact that so many women feel this way that we want to speak out about how we are so uncomfortable with this incredible normalization of violent pornography we find it to be disturbing and dehumanizing on a personal level you know it's not that it exists because I am absolutely a free speech absolutist And like I said in that upload I did on the feminist waves, I do not believe in banning pornography. You know, I don't believe in banning anything, even hate speech, which I find pornography to be. I think pornography is hate speech. It functions in exactly the same exact way. And I talked about that at length in, uh, yes, in that upload if you want to listen to it. But, you know, I don't believe in banning this thing, but I find it very troubling that what i'm saying this sentiment which is really should not be boggling anyone's mind at all you know this idea that many women find a lot of porn to be incredibly incredibly misogynistic and degrading and dehumanizing and women don't want to bear witness to it i feel like i'm just everywhere i look i'm seeing this cultural celebration of misogyny and hate speech you know people love it and they, they not only do they love it they feel They are saying that it is woke, it is feminist to celebrate violent pornography, to celebrate women getting punched in the fucking face, stuffed in suitcases, choked without even being asking if they like being choked. Just uh, all of this terrible fucking shit. Like, we're supposed to believe that this is feminist? And look as a free speech absolutist and somebody who absolutely values all discourse even you know discourse uh, that I find to be personally terrible like I want this opinion to exist I'm not against this opinion existing in the world but the fact that if women like myself say outwardly I'm uncomfortable with this shit can we please talk about how misogynistic this content is and all of this fucking beating up women shit and just like porn everywhere and men making jokes about our bodies and now we're being told that it's anti-feminist to speak out against it you can't tell me that cancel culture quote unquote is not real you can't tell me that because it's like i i'm saying to you i think that these people who believe that it is feminist to embrace these things, they absolutely should have the right to speak on this, you know? But I, too, sh- should reserve the right to speak out and, t- and say that I find it to be incredibly misogynistic without being called a swerf, which is something I have been called so many times, which I find at this point, honestly, personally, to be a compliment, because it's like, well, I mean, rf is in the title you're calling me a radical feminist like yes i am a radical feminist and you seem to try to be manipulating something in a way that i find to be incredibly disingenuous to act as if i'm against sex workers themselves absolutely not i was one myself for many years many of my friends are sex workers quote unquote like i have nothing against these women but i have everything Against the fucking patriarchy. Because I'm a feminist okay. And I'm not going to shave my armpits okay. Fuck you I can say what I want. The fact that I can't say this though is troubling. And the fact that my inbox. Looks like some fucking underground railroad. Of feminism. Uh, really upsets me too because whenever I've said this outwardly I just get an inpouring of women telling me oh my god thank you for saying this I feel the same way I can't talk about it with my friends they'll call me a swerf or they'll call me a bigot whatever like I can't speak about this with anyone I feel as if I have no outlet for this that should upset you no matter how you feel about it the fact that young women who are absolutely not bigots they just have very strong feelings about how they want to speak out against things like you know what they find to be the overwhelming misogynistic nature of a lot of this pornography we're seeing that is absolutely their right the fact that they don't feel comfortable speaking out this is the thing that I'm critical of when it comes to like cancel culture so I definitely should have said this in the other upload because when I just generally speak out against cancel culture I think people are thinking that like I want to have my edgelord takes openly without being worried that somebody's gonna call me racist, homophobic, no, what, what's at the forefront of my mind when I think about cancel culture is feminism, it's the fact that women are now not even allowed to make the most basic feminist 101 statements without being fucking canceled, called swerfs and bigots and whatevers, um, And, you know, it's really depressing because the more you look into feminist history, the more you see that, like, this already happened. What we're witnessing right now is so, this happened already. It's called the feminist sex wars. This struggle between two schools of feminists, really. I mean, many schools of feminists were fighting in the second wave, but these competing ideologies, the radical feminist ideology versus the liberal feminist ideology. The liberal feminists are more on this side of pro-porn, pro-sex work, you know, like pro-prostitution, whatever, because sexual liberation. And the radical feminists are saying there can be no sexual liberation under patriarchy, you know. It's not that women are simply, uh... (laughs) i mean i find that so infantilizing people tell me that it's infantilizing to be like against like general bdsm culture and shit because women can consent to being punched in the face and buried six feet below the earth to be excavated a week later absolutely they can but i find it really uh infantilizing when people tell me i'm i'm just sexually repressed like are you kidding me bitch i fucking (laughs) i eat ass okay I eat heterosexual male ass, uh, so don't tell me that I'm sexually repressed, okay, I was a stripper for many years, you name it, I've probably fucking done it, and I probably didn't enjoy it, I've just done it, because why not, I like to try everything once, you know what I'm saying, like, fuck it, but I am (laughs) not vanilla, okay, vanilla, as if having sex is just like, bad now. Like, oh, sex is boring, like, in and of itself. I personally find it to be a huge turnoff when any man, like, wants to break out, like, whips and chains or some sort of play. He has to choke me. Like, what's wrong with you? I see it as, like, using Viagra, you know what I'm saying? Like, you need some sort of, like, weird conceptual aid to have a boner and get off? Like, is it really that fucking hard? What about the fact that sex just feels good? Why do you need this whole fucking pony show to bust a fucking nut like you are sexually handicapped. I feel like so many men are sexually handicapped right now. And so many women are sexually handicapped, too. And I find it just absolutely absurd. It would be funny if it wasn't so depressing that, you know, uh, so many people are... They're, they're sexually handicapped right now. They need all this crazy shit, you know, like, just to get off. And it should be suspicious to many people that a lot of the kinks, quote unquote, the most popular kinks are choking women, punching women in the face, calling them dumb slut. Oh, you like that? Forcing myself on women, kidnapping women, like <laughs> fucking my sister when she's sleeping. Like, if kinks are really just this thing that arises from nothing and should not be criticized in any proximity to society then why then what is the chances that they so greatly mirror realities of society you know because I think about kinks quote unquote like this blueberry fetish or whatever (laughs) like people apparently are really turned on by that scene in Willy Wonka where that girl like expands into a blueberry like uh pretty much everyone has seen Willy Wonka. Why isn't this like one of the most popular kinks, quote unquote? Like, is there any sort of correlation between society and its most popular kinks? Absolutely. You're an idiot if you say that it hasn't, you know? And I think that all of this should be in discourse. That's what I'm saying, you know? Like, the fact that this what I'm saying here tonight is enough for people to call me a bad person. Really think on that, you know, especially if you're a woman. Like, and I don't think you, I even have to implore you to think about this. But like women, my, my women listeners, I mean, if any of you believe as if like cancel culture doesn't exist or whatever, you know, like think on this because this is what I'm thinking about. These things need to be discussed. And they were discussed much more openly in the second wave of feminism, where basically, I mean, the movement ultimately kind of dissipates and I would say is lost by the radical feminists to the liberal feminists. And now we are seeing what people could call liberal feminism, but I don't even know if you should call it liberal feminism at all because it's not feminism. There is no feminist movement. So it's really depressing, too, to see people basically cancel The real feminists, the ones that are saying totally reasonable takes, like the ones that I'm saying right now and saying that, no, now we're the anti-feminists and they're the feminists, the ones who are like just celebrating like men, like counting down the days for 16-year-old girls on Twitter to turn 18 so they can get them to buy an OnlyFans, and let's all celebrate. And it's just so incredibly racist, too. I mean, to talk about, like, talks about decriminalization and shit, you know? Like, the women who started these narratives to talk about decriminalization, legalization of sex work, this is because of the fact that, you know, and this is something else that's not discussed ever, but, you know, I just watched that 13th Amendment documentary and, you know, they're talking about this growing prison population of the male prison population, the black male prison population. It's growing at this enormous rate that is very concerning. But nowhere did they mention that the female prison population is growing at twice this rate, over twice this rate, and many of these women are black women, Latina women, indigenous women, and many of them are being thrown into prison for nonviolent crimes because men commit the greater majority of violent crimes. We all know this. I believe it's 82% of women All women in prison are in there for nonviolent crimes, and uh, many of them are in jail on accounts of prostitution. So I almost look at, like, the uh, OnlyFans discourse, the sexual liberation discourse, all this. It makes me think of white entrepreneurs getting into weed, you know, and we rightfully criticize this when we see all these white people out here like uh I just went on a Colorado tour with my friends from college like it's like these like six year old white people like going like eating edibles while like there's young black boys in jail over weed charges and black women you know this is how I feel about the sex work discourse you know it's like people celebrating only fans and like oh I, I make money selling my bath water to creepy perverts that hate women but it's It's feminists, like, while, like, black women and Latina women and indigenous women are just filling up the prisons at at twice the rate of the male prison population because of things like prostitution. And these white women are talking about decriminalization and legalization while also making it to be this, like, philosophical debate about sexual liberation and consent and all this shit while all these other women are just being thrown in prison and sitting there rotting while these fucking bitches... Bitches, I know a lot of feminists don't like my use of the word bitch, but you know what? Bitch, I love the word bitch. I'm from Jersey. I'll say it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's really concerning to me because feminism, I can't stress this enough. When you look at feminist discourse, it is the most backwards. It out of all of these, because, you know, we look at racial discourse. We look at discourse about LGBT issues. All of these things seem fairly progressive. Feminism is entirely unique and there's no historical precedent for feminism either because it's a movement that really just begun like we can't look to history for things like how will feminists be successful like I don't fucking know we're at the very dawn of feminism it's barely just begun so what we're witnessing now I think is definitely a backlash you know and it should scare you especially to talk about cancel culture and stuff you know like We are literally being silenced, my sisters (laughs) and my brothers. Those of you who give a fuck, you know, like, like, it's literally so backwards. Nothing is as backwards as feminist discourse. We are celebrating all the wrong things. We're being told all the wrong things are feminist. And we are being fucking just, uh, it's really insane. And it's just scary. And this is why I rail out against cancel culture, quote unquote. And I wanted to specify that. Because I think it's really important that people know what I'm talking about. I should have. But I was trying to do my thing where I don't explicitly say what I'm specifically talking about, you know, to try to get people to think or whatever. But I realized, like I just said, there's no historical precedent. There's no there's nothing that can be compared to the play of feminism and feminist discourse right now. I need to specify what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Cancel culture, quote-unquote, is a huge threat to feminist discourse. It is absolutely choking the life out of it. and We need to have these discussions. I saw a little bit, a while ago, somebody said, um, I guess when I was talking about BDSM or whatever, someone said, um that these women consent to porn or something. See, this is why we need feminist discourse because what is consent period? I mean, people can't even define this thing. What is consent on a purely ideological level? And also what is consent under law, you know? Because this is a thing that has raised uh, so much good conversation and discourse, necessary discourse Because you look to radical feminists like Catherine McKinnon and what she says about consent. She says that the idea of consent itself is patriarchal, which has people in the now like, what? And this is what makes me so mad because she was writing like, what, 50 years ago? I don't know exactly how old she was, but I believe the last thing I read by her was from the 70s and you know she is writing about how consent itself is this thing that is manufactured and sold to women and it basically places accountability on our shoulders to basically accept into this power relationship that we never even consented to being witness to period I mean the idea that you make a choice between the lesser of two evils maybe nobody consented to being in a situation where we even had to make such a difficult choice do I choose to make money off of my own sexual demoralization and uh, objectification and be a nihilist about it, or do I do what I personally feel is necessary and morally, ethically right to fight out against what I see as, you know, uh, this incredible regression from feminist thought in the interests of future young women and girls, you know, because if, if there was no such thing as girls that came after me or girls that exist simultaneously with me, I wouldn't give a fuck. I get the nihilist viewpoint, you know, like uh, that was my attitude when I was a stripper. Like, I'm like, dude, these are the most women hating, disgusting fucking men I've ever witnessed in my entire life. But like, what am I going to do? Like, these men are the men that run our uh, state offices. These men are in the police force. These men are uh, go to school alongside me. These men are my friends, you know. Like, this is as good as it gets. If I can make money off of these men because these men run the world, then I'm going to. Because what else can I do, you know? Fuck it. I didn't ask for this. I, I might as well. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, I understand. And this is why I'm not a swerf okay? Because I'm not angry at women who choose to, to embrace nihilism. It's incredibly hard not to embrace nihilism when you observe everything going on around you. I, I, I want to embrace nihilism. That would feel so good, but I can't, you know? It's just not in me. I'm too lazy to quit. Shit. Like, I just, it's not in me. Like, I wish I could turn it all off. And there's some quote by Andrea Dworkin where she says something exactly like this you know, that the reason she thinks so many women are not feminists and are transforming anti feminist discourse into feminist discourse is because to actually behold the scale of the problem is to be quite literally traumatized. It's traumatic, you know. So I understand why many women don't want to have these conversations. I understand why many women want women like myself to shut up because because if you agree with me then you look around and you see that everything is fucked like it doesn't look like we're gonna win if i could be honest like i think feminism is on its way out like we are becoming so much more conservative as a culture when it comes to women women are going back into the kitchen women are going back into being you know prostitutes like uh, that nobody gives a fuck about i mean we've always been this like we are just we're not doing good so i see why women embrace nihilism how could you not you know but you could also embrace nihilism and be a sort of suicide bomber right so there's that (laughs) uh um Maya says, has there ever been a point in time that wasn't traumatic? I think you're talking about sex work or something. I want to say something, too, because this is a viewpoint that I see. I guess I'm just talking about feminism right now. I'll get back into the broader topic in a second. But I want to address this because I definitely have seen a lot of radical feminists say things like, Uh, no woman would enter into this willingly. Most women who enter into this like were abused as children, doing this and that. And this is absolutely true, you know, but I do think that it is infantilizing as someone who was a Sith worker. I hate saying that. I don't like it. It's like the way to make it seem less terrible. As someone who traded sexual favors for money with fucking women hating perverts, that's what I did. That's what I was. I will say that I wasn't traumatized into doing this. Like I was not, (laughs) Kimmy, stop calling out the FBI. I was not traumatized, I felt quite fine. Like being naked for men, yes, it was demoralizing in a certain sense, but not in the immediate sense, you know? It was demoralizing because when I was doing this, I was thinking on like, wow, isn't it so sad that women are so devalued in the eyes of society that they want this from us? I would never have any sort of pleasure from watching a man gyrate mindlessly on a stage with a fucking disco ball Because I respect men and their accomplishments too much, you know. I wish so much that men saw us as something more than just these jiggling body parts. These, like, fetishized bodies. Just objects of sexual commodification. That is incredibly demoralizing to behold. But I wasn't demoralized on a personal level. Like, oh, I'm traumatized by this fucking asshole. Like... No, there were so many of them, and I still encounter them in daily life. Like, you'll go crazy if you're traumatized by each individual man you encounter. So I will say, I think it is infantilizing to say that Women who get into prostitution, who get into stripping, who get into whatever, are like traumatized women with daddy issues. Like, no, I don't believe that at all. But, like, I was just saying a second ago, talking about Catherine McKinnon and consent and liberal feminism, you know, liberal feminism is a thing I'm opposed to. And it's this idea that, like, women have individual choice. That's wonderful. We all know women have individual choice as individuals, you know. But what we're interested in as feminists is what's going on at the socio political level, you know. Uh, no political movement can have anything to do with ideas of personal choice and consent i mean when has this ever been true and this is why i say i'm so troubled when you look at other movements like have you ever heard this kind of discourse when it comes to things like racism you know like everybody has the agency to do whatever they want like let's all rally let's all rally around candace owens and like uh terry cruz and whoever else is constantly getting dragged for being like for having like ignorant takes about race according to the rest of the group you know like why then for feminism do we have to rally around each individual woman's choice like the more you think about it the more you realize how fucking absurd and patriarchal it is and that everything i'm saying is true that feminism is fucking doomed (laughs) we lost the script girls but i don't blame us because it's not our fault i mean it is on a certain level it absolutely is and we need to have accountability So, uh, I think that it is our, our, our responsibility to speak up, you know, but, um, Oh, Jorgenom says it's interesting to think about how there's no uncoerced labor under capitalism because you're constantly threatened by homelessness, starvation if you do not work. That's absolutely true, and I think that it's important to bring up. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. You know, I absolutely agree with the statement that there is n- that all work under capitalism is coercive. I absolutely agree with this statement, and I think for that reason you can draw analogies between a thing like sex work, quote unquote, with coal mining. This is something Thing I've been thinking about a lot, you know, like coal mining is an occupation that is tied to a lower socioeconomic class, a class that is vulnerable economically, vulnerable uh in the sense that the conditions they work in are greatly unsafe. And also this institution of coal mining contributes to larger systems that are harmful in quantitative ways on the actual world. All of these things are absolutely true too of sex work, quote unquote sex work, quote-unquote, prostitution, let's call it that, um, because there's nothing wrong with that word, and there's nothing wrong with prostitutes. Prostitutes are amazing people, too, just like old women. You know, many prostitutes are uh, tied to a lower socioeconomic class. A lot of these women are disadvantaged economically. A lot of them are uh, working in incredibly unsafe conditions, which is part of why we want to fight for something like uh, uh what's the fucking word god damn it decriminalization you know like these women are incredibly incredibly vulnerable and it's also true that these institutions serve larger institutions that are harmful you know If we make the analogy to coal mining, why is coal mining harmful on an institutional level? It's harmful on an institutional level because it's bad for the environment. We know this to be true, especially as time goes on. And especially as time goes on, we start to see certain alternatives to coal mining, you know, things like nuclear energy. Well, how are we going to get a coal miner, a man who has never worked uh, or never even gotten his GED? How are we going to get him into some fucking nuclear program? You know, like we can't. What do we do? Do we just eradicate coal? Coal mining and leave these guys in the fucking dust? No. But can we just eradicate? But can we just keep going with coal mining too, even though we know it's a harmful institution? No. So what do we do? You know, we need to have conversations about like, we need to have conversations about how we can make coal miners, how we can transfer them into other industries that aren't harmful for the entire world. Is coal mining morally wrong on an individual level? No. If someone wants to go out by themselves and coal, Coal mine and burn coal at their house. That's not a fucking problem, you know. Coal mining is only harmful as an institution. All of these things are true of sex work, and this is why I like the analogy. You know, is there anything immoral about trading money for sex? No. I mean, what is morality anyway? Let's not go there. But like, there's nothing wrong with this, you know. But is sex work harmful as an institution? Absolutely. The very scale of it is the problem, and not only the scale of it, but what kinds of women are are more trust into it because they lack educational opportunities because they lack economic opportunities because of systemic racism because of classist issues like all of these things you know so to just say like sex work is great or it doesn't matter because all work is coercive under capitalism like great I don't care the same thing is true for coal mining we're not going to keep coal mining are we we need to find alternatives to coal mining we need to find alternatives for coal miners we can do the same thing with women you know it's also true of a thing like heroin you know Like I think about heroin. Do I think heroin is wrong? No, I don't think heroin should be illegal. I think that people who get into heroin, get into heroin for all types of reasons. And I honestly think this is my hot take coming through. I honestly think certain individuals can even have a healthy relationship with heroin. I absolutely believe that most people no. I think most people cannot have a healthy relationship with heroin but I genuinely believe that some people can have a healthy relationship with heroin the same thing is true for sex work you know does that mean that I'm going to then be like everybody let's do heroin like heroin's great no I can fight for heroin being like decriminalized but it's like I'm not going to then say let's all celebrate heroin heroin fucking rules you know what I'm saying So it just doesn't make fucking sense. I think that these analogies like work in this way, you know, why can't we have these conversations? We need to have them. This is why (laughs) 40 minutes later, I was only trying to talk about this for a little bit, but this is why. I rail against cancel culture. I want to have these kinds of conversations, but I can't because these fucking pink haired only fans. Like, girls with cat ears and fake milk udders are telling me that I'm an anti-feminist while they go back to their DMs and talk to like 45 year old dudes being like, "Ooh, can I, can I get some DMs of your sister? I know she's only 15. Like you dumb fucking slut. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just all so backwards. So this is why we must cancel case of (laughs) culture but what do you guys think I mean do you agree with these general sentiments do you think that my fears are unfounded I don't want this to just be like a discussion about like feminism but you know is there anything else that you think this is relevant to oh I'll say something else because this is why I wanted to come into this I see people fighting in the chat this is that's cute keep fighting fighting is good I encourage fighting um something I was thinking about Um, when we were talking in the public Discord server was the idea, too, that, like, we can say all damn day long, like, I don't like cancel culture, like, this, this, uh, we should be more open and accepting and this or that, criticizing it as a literal culture. But I think it's important, too, to give merit to the idea that, like, maybe the problem is also arisen from the format itself, you know, because what is the thing that precipitated the advent of canceled culture? Social media. Never has there ever been a time where everybody had their own soapbox on the internet, their own audience, no matter how small, you know, Like, uh, there never has there been a time like this where people can talk like this to other people and everyone can find an audience. I think that that's really something we need to think about because it's obviously the thing that created the culture that we're currently critical of. Maybe the problem lies with the format itself because what are the kinds of things we're suggesting that people follow my ideas instead, you know? That's not going to happen. And if it does happen, what's going to... What's going to ever prevent people from backsliding back into the thing we're currently witnessing and are critical of? I think we should also think about the format itself, the format that underlies this culture that we're critical of, you know? Um, so, that's something to consider, you know? But, but what else was I thinking? oh I was just going to say something um cancel cancel culture the format right um something else, you know, I I th- an example that I was thinking of too of like, you know, because like I was saying, I'm wary of people who think that I'm critical of cancel culture because they think I want to like go and talk about the bell curve or something like I'm Jordan Peterson or something. I really don't fuck him. Um, but he has a right to speak too, I believe, even though I fucking hate him and all his fans are incels that want to kill women. And look, I'm saying he wants to speak. So like, great. Like i am saying he should be allowed to speak. He shouldn't get fired. He should be allowed to speak at universities. And I literally believe some of his fans want to murder women. So like, that's fine. You know, like if I'm saying that he should be allowed to speak, then shit, props to me. But, um, but I think to like, think about how a lot of this does boil down to differences in opinion. I think about things like myself, like myself, somebody who has suffered from and continues to suffer from various anxieties. You know, my approach to dealing with anxiety has always been to confront what makes me incredibly uncomfortable. And I personally feel that this is part of why I am, in essence, an edge lord. you know, part of what I do what I do to process through ideas is confront things that I find to be viscerally jarring you know and this is an approach many people take this is like uh, literally an approach taken by certain cognitive behavior behavioral therapists and shit like this you know And then there's another type of people who generally wants to avoid anxieties, you know, they want trigger warnings for everything. And I think that this is an admirable approach to things too. It's their life, they should live it how they want, and we should each seek communities where we find ourselves comfortable. So to speak of cancel culture though, I find it troubling that a certain format, to speak of format, this format of like, everything has a trigger warning, everything has a this, everything has a that, that is reflective of an opinion for how to deal with. with certain anxieties. We might have the same exact opinions on paper. We might agree with like the most core tenets of our own theoretical worldviews they might be completely in alignment but maybe what we disagree with uh, about is how we want to approach certain topics in our life how we think the actual approaching of certain topics will actually benefit or harm us someone else might want to avoid things and that's their way of working through whatever and my way of working through whatever is becoming incredibly viscerally uncomfortable and almost sensory overloaded you know this is how I deal with things like this is a difference of opinion this isn't a difference of world views really this is a difference in some sort of theoretical approach to something but with like cancel culture you know one of these approaches is being drowned out so I think this is just a sort of arbitrary but illustrative example of of one of the problems that I think is uh happening here you know like i'm trying to illustrate how i think that not everybody who's like i feel this culture is restrictive and claustrophobic and i encourage free expression like i don't think that there are all these people that just want to talk about social darwinism and racism and homophobia and whatever and just like want to you know be harmful or are inconsiderate and if you find them to be inconsiderate i mean that's a that's an opinion as well you know Uh, I don't know. Um, so this is why this is, these are some of my thoughts. Oh, I was just going to say something, but then I'm looking at you guys fighting. What the fuck are you fighting about? Stop fighting and listen to me instead. I am your leader. Listen to me. Um, oh, I, I remember what I was going to say. You know, I think that's what's happening because of the format is it's almost like a swarm, you know, there's nothing wrong, (laughs) ethical, there's to consider a swarm of birds, you know, there's no ethics to a swarm of birds. I'm sure birds get caught up in the swarm just because all the other birds are going in that direction. This is why I think we should think about the format of what is happening as well, you know. I don't think we're necessarily witnessing some sort of new Puritanism or revival of Puritanism. I absolutely agree that it retains those, or it feels like it retains those qualities. But I think what we're actually witnessing is an entirely new method of public discourse wherein... It's kind of natural, I think, that the most uh, view- the views that amass the most uh, sort of following, I guess, will become the most moral. And I think that this actually works for many narratives. I think it works for a lot of uh, racial discourse. Not all of it, because you know, black people aren't a monolith either. And I've witnessed so many of them trying to speak out against. Uh, what they perceive to be some sort of mob mentality and i think it's incredibly frustrating for them too you know like and not to not that they're like these like candace owen types but you know like black marxist and shit trying to criticize what they find to be like blm getting like totally co-opted by liberals white liberals and capitalists and all this shit they're not really allowed to speak either like uh, many valuable voices are being lost you know amidst this and I think that it is a format problem and I think that what the result of it in general is we are becoming more and more conservative as a culture and this is something that people don't believe at all they think that we're going away from conservatism because these are the narratives that'll get you canceled if you even give a hint of conservative quote-unquote then you'll be canceled right but I genuinely think when I look at all this shit, I'm like, wow, we are becoming incredibly more conservative. We are anti-expression. We are anti-subversive takes. You know, like it's all about conformity because conformity I think is a natural consequence of this very format. It's not even necessarily some sort of ethical thing that we're all complicit in. I think that the problem could very well be the format itself and maybe we need to talk about different formats. What would be better formats, you know? What formats do we admire from the past? Or, oh, Lilia, feel better, be safe. Um, but yeah, we don't want to be conservatives because conservatives keep us stuck in the past. We don't want to be regressive like we're becoming with feminism and certain other narratives. So we need to find a better format so that we don't all become conservatives, huh? Huh? All right, I've been going for 50 minutes now. I'm tempted to see what you guys are fighting about in the chat, but I don't really want to know. Um, please give me a thumbs up, everybody Uh, because that would really help. I hope you enjoyed this chat. I'm glad to see like 26 people in here right now. That's kind of high for my typical amount of views. Um, Sabrina said something earlier about modesty and that women aren't allowed to be modest or something. Um, And I do want to say one more time, if you haven't listened to my uh, feminist waves upload, you should, because I'm definitely critical of the idea of modesty itself i think modesty functions similarly to the concept of consent you know modesty basically absolves the oppressor class of their accountability and puts it on the shoulders of the woman but what is modesty if not simply hiding from the predatory gaze of men really you know like what so what why m- no woman is modest of her own volition? She's modest in response to a set of external variables that exist around her. You know, so I don't like this concept of modesty any more than I like this concept of sexually free. <laughs> there is no sexual freedom under patriarchy, just as there's no, there's no, uh, no work under capitalism is coercive. What wait, what what was the saying? <laughs> I'm getting. Messed up. There is no such thing. All work under capitalism is coercive. All sex under patriarchy is also coercive. And so is the abstinence of it. You know, there is no sexual liberation under patriarchy, ladies. So let's be real. Um. Anyway, thank you all for listening. One more time, please give me a thumbs up. It's been 52 minutes. Uh, I'm gonna try to. I like. I want to try to maybe upload like once a week. I think that that's helping my views. Actually, uploading less, and also I've been less inclined to upload. So I'll try to do it every five to seven days. You know, and I liked Maxwell's idea for an an upload if you guys have any other ideas about future uploads please let me know thank you everyone for listening hope you're safe wash your fucking hands stop fighting if you want to fight come into the discord and we could fight all damn day fucking long give me a thumbs up 25 people watching only 15 likes let's go (laughs) please look look i'm begging i'm grifting (laughs) all right i'll talk to you guys later bye